Well, good afternoon, Screen Rats. Here we are at the dawn of a new era. Well, it's not really a new era, is it? It's uh, September. Weirdly, it's already September. Yesterday I went to Sainsbury's to do a little shop after getting back from a couple of days in Manchester. We needed the food. And um, I walked in and the first thing I saw on the 31st of August, 2023, was, wait for it, mince pies. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, that's not an all-year-round thing, right? Or am I imagining it? Someone told me, oh, no, they they are there all the time. But I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that's a Christmas thing that has uh, appeared even earlier than usual. And that's also before seeing the uh, Halloween stuff in Wilco, but that might be a different reason, right? That might be a different reason they're selling that stuff. But um, yeah, so uh, we're already, uh, it's the first day of winter, right? First day of winter. I'm recording this on Friday the 1st of September, this intro part. And uh, yeah, here we are. Summer is over, winter is among... No, it's not, it's fine. It's a bit grey outside, but I don't think it's any any cooler or any warmer than before. And I have a sneaky feeling this year that we're going to have this weird hot autumn because we had such a really strange summer here in England. So yeah, I think uh, we're going to have what they call an Indian summer, although I'm not sure if that's a term we should be using anymore. I don't even know what it means. Maybe I should educate myself before saying it. Let's check it out and maybe I'll bleep it. If it's in and you're hearing it, then it's probably fine to say I have my suspicions. So as I said, I've just got back from Manchester. I was there for two days, one night. Uh, me, my wife and children went on a little impromptu visit at the end of the school holidays. We just thought she was off for a couple of days. Let's just go. Let's go somewhere. So we booked a hotel, booked, tried to book the train, but the train is about a million fucking pounds and nobody can afford them anyway. Seriously, there were journeys on there for like 400 pounds. Uh, I, I wasn't, I had to check that I wasn't actually entering New York into the fucking search bar. Uh, so yeah, we took the bus, which was weird, took the mega bus down, which I was apprehensive about, but it was perfectly fine. Nice and uh, speedy. Uh, my kid, he was looking out the window, my nine-year-old, and he was like, what are we going to do? Because we didn't take the iPad or any distractions. And after a while, he was looking outside and saying things like, huh, I never knew that we had all this countryside. Oh, well, those animals. So he was actually like, you know, into it. And it worked. You know, my wife was perfectly correct in suggesting not to take any of those digital distractions with us. We had our phones and that was it. Um, the Megabus was nice, comfy and fast. Went via Leeds and got there in perfect timing to go and have a lovely day around Manchester. Went for some Canadian pancakes in the morning and moose coffee. And then we sort of wandered about and did some things. Went to the Museum of Science and Industry and eventually ended up at our hotel. And that is the story I want to tell you about. So, using Hotels.com, who've been nothing but perfectly fine um, in this situation. In fact, they were very quick in dealing with this problem. So, I will tell you what happened, and you can be the judge whether I'm a difficult customer or whether the Holiday Inn Express in Manchester and Oxford Road is a shithole or not. Beep, beep. So we arrived in plenty of time to check in at what I would say is a very late 3pm check-in. That's half the fucking day, guys. Anyway, we were okay with that as we were wandering around and having lunch and stuff like that. So we get there and we get hit with some city tax, which is very nominal, it's not a problem. And then we are asked for a £50 deposit per room. So I say to the lady behind the counter, I said, what is this for? And she says, oh, it's for incidentals. I'm like, okay, so this is like a mini bar in the room or something like that. So just take it all out. I'm not going to pay that. I don't pay this amount of money because basically it's an amount of money that they take off you in seconds and it takes five to seven days to come back. And 50 quid per room, that's £100. And I'm not going to pay that for what is essentially a budget hotel with no perks and no, it's a no frills hotel, let's be honest. Doesn't look anything like the pictures online, I will add. So basically, they refuse to check us in unless we give them this money. She says it's company policy. This woman keeps saying company policy, company policy. I then remember that I am actually a member of that hotel chain because I stayed with them a bit when I was on tour in 2018, um, 17 as well. So I go up to the signal on the stairs because you couldn't get any signal downstairs and uh, I find my membership number. One of the other front of house staff there turns around and says, oh, look, he's gone upstairs to, to sign up for the members thing. I was like, excuse me, I fucking have been in this little membership club of yours for six or seven years now, so you can fucking get that face off, right? Anyway, not helping us at all. Company policy, company policy, all this shit, right? Which is fucking really gets under my skin because... I'm going to set up a company next year, right? And when I do, I'm going to make it my company policy not to pay cunts like this any fucking money for shit like this. And I'll put it in my small print when I fucking pay. How about that? 
can't just make shit up. Do you know what I mean? And all they do with this money, by the way, is they put it in a holding account, they make a load of money off it, and they give it back to you late. When we all know it can be done instantly. So this is what I suggested. I said, fine, I'll go and get £50 out. They reduced it to £50 pretty quick for two rooms for some reason. So I said, I'll go and get the money out in cash. Because, oh, sorry, we don't keep cash on the uh, premises, sir. I'm like, well, I'll give it to you in an envelope and you can give it to me back tomorrow. And like, no, we don't have a safe. Of course they have a fucking safe. Come on, guys. How stupid do you think I am? Right? Anyway, no one's budging. No one's budging. We're sitting there. We've dug in. Me and my wife is exactly the same kind of, uh, you know, persona when we're dealing with stuff like this. We don't give an inch and we're not going to fucking give in. So eventually, about an hour later, the operations manager arrives. And she says, look, we can check you in, but you're going to have to give us £25. So at this point, I'm now on a fucking Mexican market trying to buy a guitar. It's gone from 100 down to 50 down to 25 I'm still walking away. I still don't want it. I still don't want it at all. I'm happy to go somewhere else, you know, at this point. I'm really not going to pay them. Then she comes over and suggests, um, like, you know, you can just pay this 25 So my wife says, like, fuck it, I'll give you £10. I'll give you £10. You check us in, you give that £10 back tomorrow. I can't do it on my card now, I'll lose face, right? So she goes over, they agree to it. So they've gone from £100 to £90. They could have just done this in the first place. Clearly, they just need to have some transaction to prove who we are or some shit that's in their small print, okay, right? That they said we would have read at the bottom. But as I mentioned, you could have written anything at the bottom of there. You could say that, you know, fucking Holiday Inn Express when I sign up for this room fucking has the, you know, the wages of my firstborn son until he's 30, I wouldn't have spotted it in the fucking small print, right? So anyway, we go up to the rooms. Now, I don't know what happened in this period. I'm not saying it's the hotel equivalent of someone spitting in my food, but it was the hotel equivalent of someone spitting in my food. If spitting is shaving your feet in a shower, let me explain. We go to the first room, uh, my wife and the uh, Twins are going to sleep in that one. And the second room is for me and my eldest son. We're going to stay in that one. Right? So we go in. It's a bit dirty, uh, the first one. But nothing like the one I'm staying in. We go in. The sofa is covered in like these weird white stains that looks like someone's either been wanking and jizzing all over it or someone had a yogurt incident that they didn't tell us about. That's the first bit. The fucking door handle's hanging off. That's awful. There's a weird smell in the room, but I can't quite pick it out. Under my bed, there's a Q-tip. There's someone scrunchy. There's a packet of uh, unused uh, or sort of half-opened tissue paper. There's uh, rips everywhere on the, on, the, on the bedding. There's stains everywhere. On the surface where you're supposed to drink your cup of tea is like a, like a wax um, sort of residue and, and horrible stains. And the kettle is literally covered in mould. Now, mould would be a big issue if it wasn't for the next thing that I spotted. I opened the bathroom and there in the shower cubicle was a rolled up sort of, uh, you know, like a towel, a mat thing to put outside the shower. And amongst the shower on the floor was all this shavings, which looked like, if you imagine opening a Caesar salad and you get the cheese bit and you just shake it all on the floor of the shower. Now, I'm not saying it was cheese. I'm not saying it was foot shavings. I don't know what it is, right? But I can tell you, if I can smell of cheese... And it, it literally was foot shavings, in my opinion. The hotel have tried to tell me otherwise since this point. But I'm telling you, when the maintenance guy came in shortly afterwards and I pointed this out and I was like, dude, what is this? He was like disgusted and him and this other lady tried to clean the rooms. None of the beds were made up for the kids, by the way. I had to, It was like pulling teeth trying to get bedding for the children. All right, Holiday Inn Express Manchester, guys, just uh, Oxford Road in case you've forgotten what I'm talking about. So you picture it in your head. Opposite that beautiful uh, hotel that they now apparently own as well. So God knows what they're doing in there. Maybe that's where all the good stuff is and they put all the shit over the other side. Anyway, so we're in the room. The guy comes in, starts spraying chemicals as if the plane has landed, you know, that kind of thing. And me and my son can't quite breathe that in because there's no windows you can open. So we escape to the other room, wait for them to clean it. They did a wonderful job. They did as best they could, should I say. Yeah. Um, they still didn't clean up any of the shit on the floor. Uh, but, you know, I didn't point that out. Maybe I'm supposed to point that stuff out. I don't know. Do, do I work there now? I have no idea. So this uh, goes on and, you know, I'm festering and I, I decide, you know what, I don't normally, but I'll, I'll put a post up. I'll put a post up with this one and see if it gets any traction. And, you know, obviously overnight, some, I have friends in Japan, Australia, Canada, all over the fucking world, basically, who are seeing this and people who work in entertainment and theatre and stuff like that. So they're not going to be booking at that hotel, are they? They've already lost money by that post. I'm not saying I have any, you know you know, any power to stop them getting bookings or have any kind of following that's going to, you know, change their fucking financial whatever. But it has to have some kind of impact, right? So 
That goes on for about 24 hours. We travel home. The next morning I check out, I say all this stuff and I'm offered a 25% refund on one of the rooms, by the way. So uh, a lovely woman there, by the way, called Jodie, who was actually very helpful. She was the operations manager and Akila, who was uh, the, the morning manager. She was much, much nicer than the people I was dealing with the day before. And she asked me to send her some photos, which I did, to which she was appalled. And she was already working on it, I am sure. But... Overnight, uh, the Daily Mail uh, got in touch and they wanted to send a report around to my house. Now, I'm not a fan of the Daily Mail under any circumstances and I don't want to be in their newspaper. But as my friend has actually today messaged, I managed to use them like a giant fly swat to hit uh, the Holiday Inn with because as soon as I had that email from them, I was able to send that to uh, the Holiday Inn this morning and show them that, look, Daily Mail want to send some people around, right? I'm not saying I'm doing it, but, you know, they want to get a photo of us and a little picture of disgruntled family in the sidebar of their right-wing rag. And, uh, you know, they're going to say something along the lines of, you know, hotel. So you might want to sort this out, otherwise this is going to happen. It would never have happened. But you know what I mean. So it was so fast. I had a phone call by nine o'clock. Um, after that, that was an offer of 50% off. So that was like one room free. And I was like, guys, I, I should be going for compensation at this point, right? So I was like, okay, you know, and this is sounded like a fucking Joe Lysette show, isn't it, or something. But, uh, you know, I, was, I just felt like for once, I'm not going to fucking deal with this I'm going to get a complete refund for this because it was bullshit and actually they should have given us more but anyway I didn't want more I just want my money back it was terrible it was stressful so anyway I tell her about the Daily Mail thing and she gets a bit flustered and says oh okay give me an hour so they call me back within the hour I've got an official email and an apology full refund and even though I booked through hotels.com who I have nothing bad to say about at all uh, they told me originally they wouldn't be able to refund it because obviously I booked it through an agent. <laughs> I was like, but of course you do. You have some kind of recourse to be able to contact them. Well, it turns out they do because they did it all internally. And all I had to do was DM hotels.com to say that they'd authorized it. And within 10 minutes, the money was already moving. Okay. So I guess my advice after all of this is don't be a pushover. If something happens in a hotel, yeah, I could have asked to change rooms and I did, but you know, I should have been more forceful in that way. But don't just walk away, put a post up and say, fuck it, you know, let's just, uh, you know, let's just sort of take it up the ass. You know, I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. And I didn't do it then. I'm not bigging myself up in any way here, but I am very happy and kind of proud that we, that we sort of didn't, you know, just let them get away with it. And I've shown other people who work in that industry these photos privately and they're absolutely appalled and they can't believe that um this would happen now if you want to see these photos i'm going to leave them on instagram but i'm getting them i'll take the original post down off twitter because that's a little bit more aggressive and i don't want to uh keep that argument going and they have resolved it so uh, as far as twitter is concerned or x whatever the fuck it's called tomorrow uh, that post will be removed instagram's a little bit more safe right so you can check out the uh my personal account on there that's uh, connected to this if you want to see pictures of that hotel and do book it if you want to see what a dirty room looks like book 514 it'll end up being free because you can just fucking get the money back i guess right unless they've cleaned it unless they've cleaned it. And don't give them that £50 when you check in. Tell them to go fuck themselves. Beep, beep. Right, I'm really excited to bring you this episode because I met up with JJ Whitehead. He's a Canadian comedian. He was born in Nova Scotia, lived in the UK for a good while, worked on the Fringe, and uh, he's done many, many Fringe shows. And then he relocated a few years back to LA, where he was a big part of the Jim Jeffries show, wrote for Jim Jeffries. Uh, but luckily for me, he was back in the UK this year to perform at this year's Fringe, which is where I caught up with him. And we had a little chat in the foyer of the Stan's Newtown Theatre in Edinburgh. Uh, in the middle of the fringe, basically, in the sort of hump day period, as they call it. He was very convivial. It was a good laugh. I took a little mobile recorder with me. It wasn't massively intense. We had a quite a short chat, one of the shorter ones I've done. Uh, I met JJ online. He sort of uh, came up on my feed at some point when my book came out, and we had a little chat, and we had a little back and forth, a few DMs here and there. Turns out we had a few mutual friends and uh, mutual connections. So, yeah, I was really, really happy to uh, meet him. I also went to see his show, 
I saw his show directly after our interview. Uh, so it was sort of the wrong way around in that way. Uh, but it was really, really good. And he's got a great podcast as well, which you should check out. And all links will be at the bottom of this episode. So this is me catching up with JJ Whitehead in Edinburgh during the Fringe. This room is absolute and total filth. Roll up, roll up. Welcome to Television Times, a new podcast with your host, me, Steve Otis Gunn. We'll be discussing television in all its glorious forms. From my childhood, your childhood, the last 10 years, even what's on right now. So join me as I talk to people you do know and people you don't about what scared them, what inspired them, and what made them laugh and cry here on Television Times. He called the audience well, You know, he sort of, yeah, he does that thing. Does oh, does he yeah, do yeah. that? I didn't know he did that. It's very funny. That's why you can see it in people's eyes when they're leaving, because they seem happy, but they seem like they're be, they've been yeah. made to think about something. Right? Nice, to, nice to meet you, finally, met online. When? Sort of. When did it happen? <laughs> I don't know, a couple of years ago. That's when did it happen? I've gotten, you know, I, I admire your um, your kindness to, oh. for you to say that, because I'll be honest, I thought maybe we had already met in person. Oh, I never know. And already so. twice, already twice during this festival, it's happened where somebody goes, I waved at you across the festival grounds and you looked yeah. like you looked like confused. And sometimes I'm just like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> in a sea of people, I know, right? sometimes I need, sometimes I need you to come up to me and just blatantly go, hey, hey man. Hey, we're mates, and this is where we met. It's like a yeah. c- con- contextual face blindness. Yeah, I think it's like newsreaders. Like when I've done, um, I recorded a few at backstage at the stand, and when I see those yeah. comedians in the street, I'm like, shall I go up? Or is that like, is that over now? Because we did that. We had that little bit of time. That was fun. Yeah, and, well, I think you always yeah. should. But I think it's it, it all comes up to that lead, and you do it kindly. You're yeah. like, hey, man, we did this, and we yeah. this is how, which always helps. So as long as it's somebody who simply goes... Because that's it. I need to put it in context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even here at the festival, if they can just come up and go, hey, I'm the promoter out of Bristol that yeah, you yeah, did yeah, a yeah. thing for. And they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I because... think everyone's so busy, though, and you don't want to kind of, like, oh, right. I've got beep, beep, beep. doing an episode, and I saw him with his familiousness. Shall I say, hey, is tomorrow good? I, 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 he's always looks nervous. I'm like, I don't know whether to go up to him or not. Or... Oh, there's never, like... never anything wrong with it. No, hey. no, I know, I know. It's, it's when, the, it's the anger emails. It's like I'm saying, I've had two angry emails. Yeah. Like, I waved at you. From across the festival you grounds, motherfucker, why and didn't you, you looked confused. And I'm right. like, well, first start. I'm not a young man anymore, and <laughs> I do need to wear glasses. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. often am not wearing yeah, yeah. wearing glasses when I'm walking through. Do you so, see people that you know, and you know you know them, and it's definitely them, but you're still not sure, and you, you go back over. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. That's what I mean. That's well, it's like it's a contextual face blindness. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of a yeah. It can be. I had a really bad one recently. Which is uh, my friend and podcast partner that I have in America. At the, yeah. We do a podcast at the Comedy Store. Name it. Called Standby. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's all about travel and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And Francisco Ramos, who in his own right is very busy right now, he's um, doing a TV show. He's a, he started on a TV career. Well, I'm over here picking back up with my festival career because I haven't yeah. been here for four years. Really? So, yeah, oh, I oh, haven't yeah. done the festival circuit in four years. So I'm very excited to have... And this written. is the first proper big post-COVID festival. Clearly, this feels very different. 100% for me, yeah. I've just yeah. been touring as a club comic. I've been opening for Jim Jeffries uh, yeah. on tour, you know, and I was writing the Jim Jeffries show on Comedy Central. So was busy on all these other That's aspects. such a good show. What happened? Why, oh, did, that thanks, Why did that end? Um, COVID. It was mostly like a victim of COVID. Yeah, because right, we right. were Hollywood top 50 and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I watch it every week. Yeah, I'm not sure, oh, entirely so, legally. Yeah, but, um, so what I was going to say, though, so Francisco, who is my podcast partner at yeah, Comedy yeah. Store, He's got a lovely sister, and she had a birthday party for him at, uh, at like, she's a manager of a tennis kind of uh, tennis gym area place, right. whatever they're called, yeah, yeah. rec center. And I met her there, spent the night with her. Then I was at a comedian's party. Yeah. And when I was at this comedian's party, she was also there. And I couldn't put her in context because mm. she's not a comedian. Yeah. But I was at this comedian's party, and I said to her after talking to her for a while, I was like, we haven't met before. Have we? And was she ever angry? She was like, I'm Francisco's sister. You've totally met me. And I was like, and right away I knew, but I was unable to put it in the correct context. And yeah. That, that just It's like happens. there's a filter, isn't there? There's like, and you see people out the corner, you go, that's probably not them. And then yeah. after a while, it is them. Is it them? 
That's yeah. not them. Yeah. They've aged. Maybe that, maybe that is him. Cons- and yeah, and then even after you talk to him for five minutes, you realize, oh no, it's not them. It's, it's another person. Have you been on the receiving end <laughs> where you're talking to someone who knows you? And you don't, you know, you know them from somewhere, but like, like someone stopped me in the street once and said, Hey, Steve. And I was like, Oh, hi, man. I'm talking to him for like four minutes. I don't know where I know this motherfucker from. I'm scanning all my jobs, all my right. theater world, all the comedy stuff. I don't yeah. know where it is. I think he's like a lighting guy or something. I have no idea. Still don't know who that was. See, it happens, he knew me, man. Knew about my life. Yeah. Obviously, see? socials. See, I lead, I lead with my name now yeah. when I, yeah. when I run into people and people are kind. They always just go, Of course. Yeah. I knew that kind yeah. of thing. But I just get it out of the way so that I can make sure that I'm not talking to you. Yeah, yeah. So you, told, you told me, I think, online when we spoke, because I once upon a time worked for Gilded Balloon. And did you say you, you, you started there in some way or form? Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, I worked at the press office oh, right. before, I, before I even did. So this is the city that I started hmm. comedy in, Edinburgh. I yeah. did my very first uh, open spot tryout at Red Raw. Right. Comedy at the stand. Yeah, I've done Red Bull. And have you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that back in the day. And yeah, when I yeah. first moved here to Edinburgh, I I didn't know anything about the Edinburgh Festival. Mm. It shocked me. So I basically came to Edinburgh because uh, my father is a military man and okay. he recommended Edinburgh as a city. I said, What's a beautiful place in Europe? Yeah, I mean, come on. I had never been to Europe. I was young. I just wanted to do my gap year, as you call it. In All right. Britain. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, I had graduated, I think. And uh, so and so I came over. I, I did Edinburgh because he recommended. He said Edinburgh is the most beautiful city. It is. It and is I on got this here. Island, I think, yeah. And, uh, and I, got, I worked at Hadrian's at the Balmoral. Okay. It, was so, it was called Hadrian's, but the Balmoral right. yeah, Hotel yeah. on the, the corner. On the big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I got a building, yeah. job in the restaurant there. And then the festival rolled into town. And I guess I had quite the initiative at that point because I went, walked into the Gilded Balloon and volunteered. I just, because oh, I okay. saw this huge festival roll into town. I yeah, knew yeah, nothing, yeah. had never heard of it. I was like 21 years old and I just went in, volunteered at the press office and then got a design job with the set, set designer there because they saw right. that I could make these I don't know if you were in Edinburgh like 20 years ago when they had the airplanes made out of the no, cans and stuff. I don't remember that, man. So I was the one who, who all right. made all those. So they hired really? me to do that. So that was my initial job. And then wow. and then that summer I started, well, the following summer I started doing stand-up. So I hope you're, not, I hope you're designing your own flyers. No. Um, no, I actually <laughs> have booked a friend who is a professional designer. He's right, a, right. a video game designer. Ah. And uh, yeah, Andrew Hamilton is his name. He works for Sony back in Los Angeles. He's one of the friends that I've made since I moved to L.A. Yeah. Great guy. He's British. He's a British transplant, actually. But he's a, you know, he's worked as a designer for Sony on on their video games, Spider-Man, stuff like that. And when he knew I wanted a poster done, he told me he would like put the effect over it. I told him I was working on kind of like a TV addiction shut in, you know, agoraphobic yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of theme, and so that's why he's gone with the the kind of Commodore sixty four eighties font and stuff. Fucking other, <laughs> yeah, he's gone like with this old yeah, yeah, yeah. school like type typeface like, and stuff. I've, so. I've, I've, I'm blind in one eye, so that is what all three D stuff looks like to me. Oh, with right. the glasses on. Well, there you go. Okay, <laughs> so that's exactly the same. See something for everybody. <laughs> so you mentioned Telly. That gets us neatly in. We better crack on because this is a fast one here up in Edinburgh. I'm only doing sort of half hour records. Right. Um, I, I haven't seen your show yet. I'm gonna. I'm coming this afternoon. Awesome. So I did read one review. I didn't try to sort of um, find out too much about it, but I noticed you mentioned a show that we bring up all the time, Naked Attraction. Naked now, Attraction, I don't know yeah. if you want to talk about that yet since you're about to talk about it, but... Um, well, you're going to hear it in the first five minutes oh, okay. of the show. It's very much my opening gambit. Okay, well... Um, and it's on my um, on my Instagram page as well. I've, I've put up a little teaser of it. We'll listen uh, out for that. Do you okay. want to, I'm going to give you a new question. Okay. No, I'm going to give you one of the questions. And because you... That one often comes up as what is the most insane thing that's ever been put on television. And I think Naked Attraction comes up as that quite often because I can't actually believe it's on. Every time I see it, I just can't believe that's really on television. Yeah. So I'm always shocked (laughs) at the nudity that you guys find time to get on TV. Well, a friend of mine... Under the guise of education (laughs) as well. A friend of mine said that um, it's funny how when you watch Naked Attraction, you realise that nobody looks good without a head. Because until the head's there. Oh, what is yeah. that? That's just a load of meat. It's like a carcass out of oh, a fucking 100%. Van or something. I wish that you had a celebrity <laughs> version. Or, a celebrity or, or, or That wish, would be good. Or, <laughs> you know, because there are people out there who are, you know, exceedingly good at uh, maintaining 
Adonis type bodies. But they're not. It's, all, it's, a, it's a mixture, isn't it? And it's everyone. And it's yeah. um, and they do that. It's that little spin and the cheesy. They look worse in clothes somehow at the end. I don't know how they manage that. Right. They do that little spin and the little yeah, teeth thing. That's, uh. I am happy to admit I look better with my clothes on. <laughs> saw on tv that made you shit yourself oh right uh you know what i grew up in canada so we're, we're uh, yeah we don't have television that yeah it doesn't fear monger much it's not it's, it's a pretty safe you, you know, know diet, diet of 60s batman and scooby-doo cartoons do you still like that <laughs> do you reckon you'd be watching they showed 60s batman when i was a kid yeah and that exactly. was already fucking being repeated well so we like, may well be the same age then oh, i don't think so I don't know. It's a quite a high possibility. <laughs> For me, it was all Bewitched uh, reruns and Batman. I'm, I think I remember Bewitched. I yeah, Bewitched remember. was always on over here. They had a big thing about Bewitched. Okay, I'll ask you a different one. Who was the first? Go on. Who was you the said, How old am I? And I, and I already admitted to you, I look a lot better with my clothes on. It's okay. So I'm, I'm not doing My clothes either. probably keep me 10 years younger. It's trying to see what, what sort of you know things you might have seen or what you might have grown up. But I guess with Canada as well. Well, when I moved here, so I moved here after university Mm -hmm. in 1999. Mm -hmm. So, and I did live here for 17 years. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't know, as far as the fear of, you know what, you have to adjust to the TV culture here because you don't have to buy a TV license in Canada. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that does very much weird you out. It is weird. And you're scared when you're staying in a foreign country and you're Canadian. You know, us Canadians. Yeah, you know the old joke where they say, like, how do you get 100 Canadians to leave a swimming pool? Go on. Will you all please leave the swimming pool? That's it. It's you and the Japanese, the most law abiding. Yes. So that is generally the Canadian thing. So when you move here and you, because the the commercials that you used to have for pay your TV license were kind of fear mongering. The vans, the the vans, vans, but the radar things do anything. My little Canadian ass is sitting there going, oh my God, I can, I know what? It would probably be against my my young person's (laughs) visa. I'd probably get kicked out of here if I don't pay my life. I was, you know, I'm scared. There's a white van going by and you start thinking oh the knock on the door I remember getting knocks on the door as a kid I think uh, yeah. one of my family didn't pay it and they were like don't ever answer Ooh. the door because it could be the TV man yeah <laughs> legitimate fear like, like an actual sort of boogie man who yeah. would come down and ask for the license fee 100% legitimate fear man I hate paying it I hate paying it I love the BBC but I hate paying it my god do I hate paying it I wasn't it's a fan so of it money. either you know I wasn't a fan of it either. I haven't paid it for seven years. Of course, I haven't lived here for seven years. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you can't watch iPlay. When I was on tour a lot, iPlay, you could just use it for free. And that was the sort of great thing. I remember that small to... window. Yeah. I did. I was a British resident hmm. for the small window of time when we had things like downloading BitTorrents yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, Napster music. Not that you've ever done any of that, obviously. Did all of that. All <laughs> that. Because that was what? That was like 2000 and... It was the mid 2000s, right? Yeah, like two, I, I remember that 2005 kind yeah, of. Yeah, and I was definitely I was a resident of London then. Yeah, I remember the Lost, the TV show Lost came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, that would be the first. Like that was the TV show that you got to BitTorrent yeah. from America. Really? So whatever that era is, yeah, so that's that 2006. Was, yeah, that was definitely to me Lost. That TV show doesn't represent any kind of era of great TV or anything. To no, me, no, no. it represents that time when yeah. we were downloading everything for free to get and, and getting music for free and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I did use it. Was it LimeWire? It's called LimeWire, yep. wasn't it? Yeah, I remember and that one. Fucking ages for like a song or one yeah. thing to turn up. We but had it worked. A, yeah, I got in trouble once actually. If it wasn't for it, I wouldn't have seen any of Lost, and I probably wouldn't have seen the end of Friends. <laughs> Guys who I've crossed like ships in the night. I think I think I did an online show with him huh. during the pandemic. Uh, I think I did online. So and we might have he might have even been in Australia while I was in Los Angeles. All right. And we did that. And then I had did cross paths with him. I think last year at yeah, the festival yeah. we maybe did a mixed bill somewhere. But so, I haven't worked with him long term. You know how you have to work with another artist long term, like over. When I say long term, I mean like over a weekend yeah. or something or a couple of gigs together, and then you really get to know each other. Um, so I haven't had that opportunity with Muggleton yet, but we do know each other. He's a good cat. He's good fun. But you hang out in the comedy store a lot, so obviously you see your, your Marins and whatnot knocking around all the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, in the back parking lot of the yeah, yeah. Everybody, everybody ends up gathering there eventually. 
Yeah. I must come over at some point soon. I've got a brother-in-law who's an actor who's in LA. So All right. We're due, we're due a visit. But yeah, so are you doing any more TV coming up? Or? Um, it's, um, you know what? Well, we're all on strike right now. So there's After not... that. Yeah, so there's not really yeah. anything being made. And I've been on the road for, uh, since March. So I've been on mm. the road for whatever that is, seven months uh, working on this show and mm. touring it up and down and did a full Canadian tour. So... I am uh, probably going to be brain dead after this festival, and then I'm yeah. going to reassess everything. I'm yeah. actually rejoining Jim Jeffries, and I'm doing, I've got like 10 dates right. with Jim yeah. in September. Mm-hmm. And luckily, they're close to my parents in Nova Scotia. Oh. So, on, in all honesty, my plan is uh, finish this show, then uh, hit the Jim Jeffries tour. I think I rejoin him September 7th. I'm going to take the days off to go and say hi to my parents. Yeah. So I still won't be home at my apartment in Los Angeles until my final date with Jim Jeffries, I think, is September 23rd or something like that. Wow. Then I'll hit L.A., and that's when I will talk to my manager and, you know, and uh, get a game plan together to either try to make some more television in America or uh, just figure out what the next steps are. Yeah, so how long do you think, uh, we could talk about the strike a little bit, if you want to, how long do you think that's going to go on for? I'm starting to get afraid that it's going to go on for a long time because mm. the two sides don't seem to be compromising no or down. agreeing on much. So yeah. so, yeah, it looks like a doozy to me Like from this will... side. I mean... Uh, I feel like the writer's side is fighting for something very legitimate. Of course. I can even see it in my residuals from the Jim Jeffries show. Really? Like, you can... Yeah, like, I can honestly tell you, the residuals from the Jim Jeffries show are were great, and it was mm-hmm. amazing to have a Hollywood writing job for the three years that, that we were on television. Yeah. Loved it. Mm-hmm. Absolute highlight to my career, to be honest, because I love my Los Angeles apartment, loved the TV job, and then, I, then doing stand-up at night in Los mm-hmm. Angeles can be a little soul-destroying because you feel that it's a uh, showcase town. Yeah. And you don't you don't feel as validated as a performer. Everybody's kind of like, oh, I hope you make it kind of thing. Oh, really? But when you've got a TV show happening, yeah, yeah. you have made it. Yeah. And so you're out at night doing your club sets for free in this showcase town, but, but with all the confidence. Yeah, and you don't, you're not of, asking for anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah of yeah, everything that you're getting. It. So yeah, that yeah, is yeah. kind of the height of how you can feel in, in wow. your comedy career. So that was, that was absolutely... Amazing, you know, mm-hmm. an amazing feeling. So I, that was, and that, yeah, a highlight. Um, I don't even remember what your original question was. Doesn't matter. But, uh, it's just wherever, wherever this goes. But uh, but I would love to get back to that system. Oh, we were yeah. talking about the strike. Oh, that's what I was going to say. The, yeah. the difference in the strike. So when we were getting the residuals from the Jim Jeffries show, yeah, the TV channels that were playing the Jim Jeffries show around the world, residuals were fantastic. And then you see the streaming numbers. Oh, yeah. And I'm talking not even 1% of what the television residuals were. Really? So, yeah, so they were getting away with murder. So all these streaming services, like, if I had to pluck a number, I bet you, I bet you that my streaming residuals were probably 0.04% of what my television residuals are. And, and so to know that everybody's kind of fighting for that because it is ridiculous like we should be, especially as streaming moves forward. And, yeah, I don't, you know. I don't know. Where's it going to go? I mean, is it, it can't go back to syndication system, but it can't carry on like this. No, I mean, so, it's just like the strike that they had many years ago, which was about DVD sales. 2008? Right? Yeah, and now that predates yeah. my yeah. television experience. But obviously that's what they were fighting for then because in that era, the writers were getting good residuals, but... When the corporations were putting out the DVDs, they yeah. weren't giving anything additional. So they were yeah. able to go, no, writers, you got the residuals for TV, but the DVDs, that's... And so yeah, that's yeah, why yeah. they went on strike, to get that deal. Jesus. So every time there's a new format that comes mm. along, they got to fight the good fight. So they've got away and, murder for a little while, and then obviously it will realign in some way. I mean, I, yeah. I kind of think Netflix and things like that might not even exist in 10 years. It might turn to something else. Well, there's that's part of their argument, isn't it? Yeah, They're yeah, like, yeah. oh, but look, we're poor us. We might not be around in 10 years. We haven't made any money yet. We gotta yeah. stay. Literally, so apparently. Let, let us have all the money now because we haven't got any money apparently. Because of our survival. Yeah, it's just it's uh it's silly. Yeah, to make a profit Netflix, allegedly. Yeah, yeah well, you poor poor, poor people. 
Well, I read one um, not related to television, but a, a music version the other day. I read an article that said music companies are now getting new artists to sign. When they sign with a label, a major record company, I can't believe they still exist, uh, they have to sign this new clause that allows AI integration. So pay, people can basically take their tracks, remix them, release them among social yeah. media and whatever, and pay you a minimal amount. So basically, they have access to your masters. Basically, yeah, they can remix. This is, yeah, this that is a very important. Yeah, this is a very important negotiation it's that's happening. Yeah, it's just because even as you flip through your social media and stuff, there are AI traps happening now where you're like, yeah. that couldn't have happened and stuff. So yeah, it is yeah. important that this is probably the most important strike of the last generation. Like, oh, I know the DVD yeah. one was important uh, whenever that was, 13 years ago or whatever. Mm. But yeah, this is this is crazy. That seems quite old school, because what you're talking about now is like, they could literally take a stand-up special of yours and then just reanimate you <laughs> in 10 years' time and just put out yeah. stuff that sounds like something you'd write. Yeah, they can Which, use your voice, your likeness, yeah. Yeah. so mm. it can't... Um, well, you're doing this now while, while that's happening anyway, so you're... Yeah. Exactly, yeah. That was yeah. one of the lucky things about being a stand-up comedian. Yeah. There'd be just be nothing to writer. watch at night in uh, 2024. Yeah. <laughs> but what's on telly? Nothing. <laughs> it's a shame because there are a lot of shows that I really love that I'm waiting to come back. And, but like even things like uh, Handmaid's Tale, which me and my missus are probably waiting for final oh, season. Yeah. That's going to be years away now. Years away. And it'll come uh, back. It'll be like, who cares? It will, no one will care about it. You know? That is that is a problem with these strikes yeah, sometimes. It nice. does, things do die on the vine. This is turning into a free flow rather than a question one, but I will try and squeeze one question <laughs> to get one answer. Sure. I, I, you know what? I had no idea no, no, I didn't know what, what kind of format no, you, you do. There's a sort of format. Yes, I, I am a free flow guy. No, it's fine. So. I like free flow. As long as we get somewhere and it has some kind of thread, I, I will be fine and we can put it all together. Let's go with, uh, let's go with your first TV crush. Who was the first person on television that gave you that fuzzy feeling? Holly Willoughby. Really? <laughs> Holly Willoughby? Actually, yeah, I, you know what? I love the Willoughby. Oh, I think she's a sweetheart. So I'm not afraid to say it. I don't, you know what? I don't live here. I yeah, haven't I lived here for seven years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there is a Willoughby Street in Hollywood. Right. It's parallel to Sunset and Melrose. And then anyway, whenever I cross Willoughby Street, I, really? I think, think about, about oh, the Holly Willoughby. I think oh, yeah, she's comes great. comes different connotations she's, these days. But yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know no, what she's Nobody, knows. nobody knows anything. No one okay. knows anything. But I, knows I will anything. say I enjoyed seeing her on 17 years I lived here. And I think she was on television for all of them. So I, what show I, would that have been that you've first seen her on? Well, she was just always a presenter, wasn't she? She yeah. was a presenter of something. So I don't know which or what. Yeah. But well, there's, yeah, like you, but, I get them all mixed up. I will sing the praises of the Willoughby forever. <laughs> the, that lovely smile, a welcoming... I don't know. Like, the way you looked at me, though, I'm like, oh, no. Has she, got <laughs> no, 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 because has she been involved in some sort no, of no, uh, it's just the, controversy uh, or something? No, no I, I don't know. Well, I've got to be careful. But no, not a controversy <laughs> as such. It's just uh, what she did and what she didn't know about Philip Schofield. That's all. But, uh, uh, but okay. nothing I want to get into. Well, can, I plead, can I plead Canadian innocence? <laughs> yeah, I will plead. And I know, not, I know very little even about this Philip yeah. Schofield uh, controversy yeah, exactly. or whatever that's, it's that's called. So, yeah. That's and I don't watch ITV, so we're both out of the loop. Right. What's a TV show from the past that you cannot believe existed? Ooh, these are quite stumper questions uh, that I can't believe existed. Could well, be for any kind. It could be just the fact that it was weird. It could be because it was insensitive. Be, well, you know, yeah. I was thinking a lot about, you know, you talked about things that terrified you when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. we, we did bring this up the other day, but there was a show called V. Which yes, was about, the original it, series. It was about aliens invading yeah. and stuff. And yeah, the... and it doesn't even date well because um, it, it was an 80s show and yeah. stuff. And, it was about um, Nazis, essentially. And, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, there you go. But but as a kid, it was ter it was terrifying. Yeah. It was the stuff of my nightmares. And I go back and look at it and I'm like, this is shit. But it, yeah, but but it shows you how things don't, um, uh, you know, technology and the, the high definition on our screens yeah. is of the era always. And our imaginations mm. fill in everything else. Yeah, for me, like the two things I remember about that most is obviously that the female sort of commander of the mothership eating yeah, that Diana. Diana, that's the oh. name. She cracks her opener and oh, the fucking man. thing goes in. That stayed with me forever. Yeah. And also just See? the sort of... Cuntiness, if you will, of the sun, like 
um, telling on his own family. And I think the, the grandfather oh. was a Holocaust survivor, wasn't he, I think? And he was well, like, I don't he remember. Was, he was I... telling him, like, oh, this is just like the Hitler Youth, you know, that kind of thing. There's some distinct imagery. Yeah, he was seeing the parallels with that. Yeah, and, and, when, even you see, and when you see, and it's your first time, or it was my, any, any kid of my era, any Gen X kid, is our first time seeing uh, bodies, bodies sealed in the bags, like yeah. alive, but being... Which is yeah. a trope now used in hmm. so many things. Like even Invasion of Body Snatchers probably would have been a movie that they used. Oh right, see, before. I hadn't seen that yet. So yeah. for me, V. Not me neither at that point. So yeah, so for me, V yeah, was yeah, yeah. seeing that because even there was that Marvel Secret Wars or whatever that came out hmm. this summer, How and I it? think they they have same kind of situation oh, really? where they've captured humans and they're. Yeah, there's keeping them captive. So it's in movies like Soylent Green. It's in movies. It's in cartoons, Matrix, all of that time. So, but the first time you see it, yeah, I think it shocks you as a kid. Yeah, well, yeah, no (laughs) doubt there are children out there that that when they saw batteries in the Matrix, the music that was their first time. Yeah, but that V thing that 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 definitely still haunts me. They remade it, didn't they? uh, they did. ten years ago, they did very pretty people in a nice shiny way. That that is true. I I think it was cancelled. After one, after one season, is it Monica Baccarin, or the beautiful woman from Firefly and many yes, other things? And, uh, oh, and Deadpool. Homeland. She's the girlfriend in Deadpool. Life in Homeland. I believe she was the new Diana. Yes, or the new leader. Oh, was of she? The, I think she was. Yeah, and no. uh, but yes, I, I. You know what? Honestly, I never got to see that show. That might have been towards the end of the yeah. download streaming era, the, yeah. uh, the bit torrenting. Well, the, do you have shows that you just won't watch? Like, I, I, there is no, nothing in the world that will make me look at the new Quantum Leap. I know, uh, I'm not, not going to look at that, because that is something from the 90s that is it's probably shit. Anyway I to did watch, try the new Quantum Leap. Oh, did you? I, I did watch, yes. How far did you get? I did not get through a full episode. <laughs> So okay. I think there was something about it. I was, it was very layered. Just it leave like it where it is. That that was, one, leave that one alone. I think. Or if you're going to reboot it, just do it the same way. You're what? stuck in the Matrix or whatever and did jumping. They change from, things, did they? It was all changed around. It was uh, kind of like yeah. Well, I guess you can't have you can't have certain aspects of that show now, anyway. Yeah, you can't but have Sam turn up as a black woman in the deep south, and that's going to get right. tricky, tricky. I think. Well, I think the way they've seen around it is they've got a. Yeah. It's not a white guy. Is not the main player. Like Asian so, yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically. That'll, that gives you license. Again, I'm not yeah. the authority on that one. <laughs> no, I, mean, I, I just I don't like the. Out, I, just, I think it's one that you just leave alone and leave it in the 90s because it was sort of what it was and it was bad. <laughs> yeah. but I, I loved it. I loved it was like, bad, good television. I loved yeah. all that bad, good TV. Well, you've got a show very I soon. I got a show so in 40 minutes. Just, 40 minutes. Yeah. Okay, I'll wrap this up. Should I ask you one more or not bother? Yeah, sure. Go yeah. ahead. Okay. Yeah, no, we've got okay. we've got time. I got I start my I just go into my zone basically yeah, twenty yeah. minutes before. Are you, are you one of those and who just pops on, or you have to do like a meditation before? Or? Um, at this point, this is what my thirteenth or fourteenth performance, fourteenth in a row. Yeah. So I think I'm I'm entering pop on phase. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now I was definitely look at my cue cards. I have my friend Ed Byrne came to the. Nice. First night, yeah, and I wish he hadn't because oh. he traumatized me because I was looking at my watch a lot, oh. which I didn't disagree. We yeah, got yeah. out of the show and he was like, "Dude, you looked at watch." I'm like, "Yeah, I looked at my watch at the end of every set piece because I was yeah. trying to get the timing right." Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah. Anyway, it's stuck in my mind because now I do not. You know, like now, you no, it's I am slick. <laughs> I am slick into time, and oh, it's it's a well-oiled machine now. But yeah. Those things, when you have your peers and your friends come to a show, and yeah, yeah. so I think I realized in this run, it's it's a small lesson to learn, yeah, but yeah. I've learned I'm not letting my friends come no, it's terrible. To, the, terrible. to the early performances. What's the funniest thing you've ever seen on TV? Ooh, well, there was a show in Canada called Four on the Floor. Hmm. And of course, being Canadian, I, I grew up on repeats of Second City Television, John yeah, Candy, yeah. Rick Moranis. Um, Four on the Floor, to me, was my SCTV. Right, right. Yeah, but there are a lot of Canadian comedy files here in Britain. Yes. I've, I've always known they, they love Kids in the Hall. And I love Kids stuff in the Hall. Like, yes, me too. Oh, so huge Kids in the Hall. Really, yeah, and I've gotten to meet some of them now. Like, yeah. like uh, you know, because they still tour and stuff and... Yeah, they had that new TV show on Amazon. Yes. Yeah, really yeah the devil yeah. comes to town, yeah. which is really good. That, for me, was college years, Yeah, uh, Kids in the Hall. But um, Four on the Floor would be childhood. 
There was a character called Captain Canoe Head uh, who was, you know, he was portaging when he got struck by lightning. Right. It's absolutely comic genius as far as I'm concerned. And that would be my initial days of like, oh my God, comedy has no bounds yeah. and can go absolutely anywhere. And this is already knowing, you know, the Rick Moranis's and yeah. John Candy's of SCTV and then seeing Captain Canoe Head. <laughs> sitcoms come with a kind heart yes that's our, what it is our, yeah we do we go that's heavy the, on the kind heart in yeah. sitcom situations yeah, yeah yes which makes it for an easily digestible situation mm. but our sketch comedy yeah is different that's our surprising. sketch comedy doesn't come with like you, there's no way you can tell me that sctv uh kids in the hall no uh, even four on the floor and kids in the hall like first one i ever saw no, that we, dave foley was dressed up as a devil in a cupboard yeah and he was like have you got a demon i don't know have you got a demon yeah what the fuck is that that is that is <laughs> so different weird. We, yeah we very much have we, you know there's two two sides to our comedy coin but yeah, uh, yeah. yes our yes our sitcoms are kind but our sketch comedy has this huge monty python british yeah. influence that american totally. american sketch comedy doesn't have no. american sketch comedy doesn't have the ridiculous surrealness, um, even the insightfulness that, yeah. you know, American Sketch Comedy, it's become very political too, like on Saturday Night Live and stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas, no, Canada, Canadian Sketch Comedy, you can see the John Cleese. You can see you the can through see, line from you, like yeah, you can Monty see, Python to yeah, Ronnie's. You can, see how we, you can see yeah. how we grew up on British comedy yeah. and Americans did not. And then mm. sometimes that is uh, one of the biggest differences in Canadian comedy. Yeah. You know, and then that's why sometimes when we get to make a sitcom, we're exhausted from doing all the crazy shit in our comedy, and we go, yeah. okay, let's just have a kind-hearted sitcom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I've only just got into Letterkenny, um, which we only just started watching recently. Well, Letterkenny's yeah. got some edge to it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fucking really clever, really yeah. funny. I mean, I'm way late to the party, but well, there um, you go. Well, Letterkenny, I would say those boys that started off in sketch. That's Canadian yeah. sketch. We're gonna break some rules. Yeah, kind of. Well, my wife didn't so. know, but Jacob Tierney, the guy who's literally behind that, always I think he directs all the episodes. It's her cousin's cousin. I met him once. Oh, right. In a basement in Toronto. Right on. Apparently, about twelve years ago, before Letterkenny ever happened. Oh, nice. It was actually a basement in Montreal, Steve. Come on, you must remember. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to get him on the pod, but that might be a hard one. Oh, Let's you see. never know. I hear he's a nice guy. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I'll let you um, start getting meditative for your show. All right, man. Go. Show, 32 to. minutes to go. We, hopefully, we have a nice little crowd today. It's Monday. So you get a day off tomorrow. This is my, yeah, tomorrow's yeah. my day off. Yeah. But this is Collapse. that Monday, Tuesday of the, of the fringe when you're yeah, like, yeah. okay, or people. This, this is why I want to come up this week because this is the edgy week. You sycophant. No, because you maniac. I know how people feel. You could have came to see me when I got a packed room in four days, but you want to see me now, no, dude. You've got to see the middle part because geez, everyone goes like that fucking absolutely nuts or they're tired. Or it's, it's the most interesting week. Okay, well, as long as you enjoy it, man. No, I will. All right, thanks for doing this, JJ. All right, cheers, um, bud. Cheers, man. JJ Whitehead, the Canadian comedian from Nova Scotia, the writer of The Jim Jeffries Show. Can you believe it? Talking to me in Edinburgh during the Fringe. What a world. Anyway, now to our outro song. Today's song is a song called Lost in the Game. It's a pivotal one for me. I think it was uh, at the pinnacle of my songwriting ability. I really did feel like I sort of hit something here because I'd been writing music for a very long time and uh, attempting lyrics for a very long time. And sometimes they're great and sometimes they're not. And uh, I really felt like I was uh, onto something at this point. I had the tune for about a year and originally it was a song about something completely different. And then I found myself in Canada. See, tenuous link to JJ. I was in Canada and I was sad and the relationship ended and I didn't really know what to do with myself. So I started writing lyrics for this song. In fact, the lyrics for this song weren't complete until after the recording of everything else. Like all the music was done, everything. And I do remember sitting there in a barn in Ireland a, a year later, just uh, trying desperately to sort of get the last lyrics done and I knew they would come and they did and it, it was perfect the backing vocals by Aoife Nally, a friend of mine an actress and singer and uh, she's also Canadian she did this sort of operatic background and we ended up uh, doing a musical project later that same year called 1117 of which some songs will definitely appear on this podcast especially 
at Christmas time. So this is a song called Lost in the Game, which I actually performed at a supermarket in Toronto when I sort of did my first little sort of gig with my now wife. My wife, as Adam Buxton would say, as we all say now. We just copy him and do that now, right? That's what everyone does, yeah? Okay, so here it is, Lost in the Game. He dare not reveal his amour wasn't part of the deal Butterflies come and go But this is a hand He'd rather not show Boys taking turns to amuse Watch her dance And you're certain to lose There are Would you still want to play If you knew what you'd pay We can't get yesterday back So come, have some fun in the sack Without guilt or shame But don't ask her You're aware of the final caress No regrets and no mistakes When you're back at square one There's no give without take Man can't get love from a stone Nor survive on scenery alone but inches away But this solitary life Doesn't feel like a game Lost Won't conquer all And I Can't always stand tall With you Looking down
love that song. I love that song. I just think it sounds fucking great, you know. Anyway, that's Lost in the Game from the album After the Fireworks that will be remastered, as I keep saying, shortly, this year, next year, sometime. I'll let you know when. So thanks for listening to this episode of Television Times Podcast. I really enjoyed that chat with JJ. And uh, come back next week and keep tuning in for more. Leave a review. See you next time. Bye-bye. 